everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of the Arms Movement Like Project live on this Tuesday evening, which we are quickly inching towards the season of Halloween, October 19th, 2021, episode 32 of the project. If you're listening to the re-roll of this, it's up on our Anchor FM page, and you can also find us on Spotify. We're also on iTunes. You can search the Arms Movement Like Project and catch up with past episodes. And like I said, this is episode 32. Hard to believe that we are continuing along, but we've got some great guests, great content and great conversation that affects everybody here in Windsor and Essex County with a positive vibe here on the show. So happy to have you along on the ride. As always, this show is about you in our viewing and listening audience. So if you're joining us live, we are on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and we would love to hear from you in the feed. You can comment along with my guest here in just a few moments. But before we get to my guest and all of the kick-ass work that he's been doing in the restaurant scene for a number of years here locally. We've got to do some housekeeping as we usually do. Last year, uh, last week, we actually had a really great episode with what's been going on at the Hiatus House locally. And I was happy to welcome Sylvie Gunther, who is the new executive director of the Hiatus House to the show. She is just a phenomenal lady and they're doing some incredible work at the Hiatus House, especially during the pandemic. You can find that on Spotify and YouTube. Next week, my brother from another mother, Glenn Greenwood and Kim Greenwood, are going to join us on the show to talk about some fundraising that they're going to be doing for the Windsor-Essex County Humane Society and a little bit more about what they've been up to over the last little bit. Glenn and Kim, Hearts of Gold, those two, and uh, Amherstburg residents as well. So looking forward to catching up with them live on the stream uh, over the next little bit. But my guest tonight has started his working like like so many young people do, working in the restaurant scene. Uh, among thousands of young Canadians who got their first job in food service, and that includes myself. My first job actually was working at Red Sail Restaurant on Walker Road here locally. Uh, this guy, though, 17 years with Armando's in Windsor, he's earned his place among the stars of Canadian pizza. Honestly, you're not going to meet a kinder, humbler person, and you're not going to meet a prouder showman on the pizza stage in Canada and right across the world, too. The guy is known for his za. Uh, he's known in areas as Professor Za himself, uh, Dean, the man, the myth, the legend. And finally, securing him on the show today. What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, yeah, first of all, um, thanks for making some time. You know, I tried to get you on the program back uh, on a Friday, but like Friday is like your it's go time, right? In the kitchen. That's when you're moving and shaking. Oh, yeah, that's we work the most hours over the weekend. So that's not the greatest time to catch me. Uh, you know, I take some time off during the week. So like today's like my Sunday night. Uh, I'm relaxed. I'm rested up, ready to go for another week of action. That's awesome stuff. Uh, Dean, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, how you got started, how you continue to, I guess, develop new tastes, uh, you know, uh, different things that catch people's attention when it comes to maybe changing their pizza game. But how did you get started? Bring me back to that first experience with you in the world of restaurants and and really pizza for that matter. Sure. You you nailed it. Uh, 15 years old and resumes out. And uh, uh, they, they gave me a call back. Looks like it was a good call. So <laughs> it was really just that. It was a, a job for a long time. Um, up until, I'd say, 20, 21, that was when I was trying to make a decision on which way to take my, my life, my career, like many young people out there in the world. And the, they showed me some opportunities that I decided I was going to take. I was actually headed down the TV broadcast route before that, as I did go to Spex Howard's for TV broadcasting. And I had done some work that's been on TV and I was really at a crossroad of, am I gonna go this TV route or am I gonna stick this pizza route? And I'm glad I stuck out the pizza route because uh, 
I mean, to be fair, I guess I don't know how it could have went the other way, but uh, I'm happy with the choices I made. And, and you know what? I, I worked really hard and learned a lot about pizza in that time because I wanted to become really involved and dedicated into it because I decided if this is what I'm going to do, sure, let, let's make something of this. So that's when I really started pouring it in, early 20s, 21, 22, and uh, a lot of competitions that, uh, you know, eighth place, eighth place, 10th place, you know, challenging times and, and really kept motivating me to want to do more work harder and that's when I would continue to research further and and the further I went down that path uh, the more mainstream Instagram came with pizza and food and mm-hmm. so I started to you know connect with other pizzeria owners and pizza chefs all across the world and you know we start kind of bouncing ideas together off each other and, and you feed off each other's energy and uh when you go to Vegas and you go to that pizza competition and that expo, you guys look at me like, wow, this guy really loves pizza. You go there, oh, there's 10,000 people like me that love pizza. <laughs> so it's really cool. And you get to now connect with those people in person. And, and now you can share more ideas together. Sure. Honestly, it's, it's a really, really cool. And, and unfortunately, you know, in-person competition has been extremely limited uh, for obvious reasons, but uh, you know, I just look forward to the future. And, and I continue to hone my craft today as we, like every day I'm working on it. Well, let's, okay. Well, geez. I, okay. First of all, from one Specs Howard grad to another, man, when they put you through the program at Specs and I mean, I, I was class, uh, RTV 1103, uh, was, was my, my thing. Right. And like you, I think I got to a point in my life where, you know, I've done a couple of different things and then it's like, okay, I'm going to double down on this and try to figure it out the way you go. But then, I love what you said, though, Dean, about how sort of um, things have shifted with social media. And a six o'clock newscast nowadays is not necessarily six o'clock newscast because you you can post content anytime, anywhere. You may not have the huge audience that maybe traditional news might have had, but you can still connect around the world and have that two-way conversation. So I think that's pretty cool that you're able to reach out and continue to reach out and do a lot of that promotion work, that information sharing, that collaboration, that is really essentially the new age of how people get their information and really transcend, I, I would imagine, a lot of those techniques that you would learn in the pizza biz uh, that you wouldn't find here in Windsor-Essex. You're able to kind of source that from around the world and then bring it into your own particular production of pizza. Well, absolutely. And it gives you sometimes just ideas and seeing it on on your screen, on your phone, your computer, that's one thing. And, and you still have to be able to put it together from there. But what I liked most was after you connected with these people, you can have the desire to maybe travel to their place of business, wherever that may be across North America. And uh, that's also very cool. And then you get to connect with them on a, on a whole nother level. It's the equivalent. Yes, we met in Vegas. We took that, that conversation that we took from our phones to in person in Vegas to maybe now we've connected at your pizzeria you know, your home turf where now we can talk, collaborate, share ideas. And uh, that's what I've really enjoyed most about the social media kind of uh, growth of that side of things is uh, getting to share with people that maybe don't have the chance to come to your store anymore. And, uh, you know, with being out here in Amherstburg more and the lack of dining that I was experiencing at Pizza Bar when we were doing that, it's I get less one-on-one interaction with my guests in person now but I can still share that interaction via my DMs with them and they'll message me. I'm always very active and responsive. If you have a question, comment, I'd love to talk with people about pizza. So 
I think that passion comes through. I mean, that's where that branding comes in. That's where, you know, the awards come in and that's where you learn. Like you had said, you've gone through these competitions and you may not have walked away from first place initially, but you get to learn and see sort of the best of the best of the best. And then I'd assume, like you said, when you get to a stage like Las Vegas, where you've got the world, like the best people making on the world coming together, I think you'd almost be like a surgeon in that aspect, right, Dean? Like you're you're watching these people go to work and you're like, wait a second, I can take a bit of that. I can take a bit of that. I like what he's doing and sort of amalgamate that into your own style, your own way of doing things. 100%. And uh, a, a lot of coming up with new ideas is through experiences. So maybe that experience was that I, I saw that person in competition do it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try that technique with my own styles of food. Or maybe I went to a, a restaurant in Toronto that I, I really loved the way they did this certain dish. So you you pull, like you said, you pull ideas kind of from everywhere you go. And that's that's like any chef. That's kind of what builds your little like resume, so to say. Uh, let's go to some comments. We just brought them up on the screen here. Dean is my guest on the show today. Kieran says, hey, Dean is the man. Best pizza in the world. Uh, and Michelle says, uh, you know what, miss you out here in the Berg. And that brings me to my, my next sort of train of thought here is, you know, I followed you through um, a family member, actually, uh, Ryan Siegel, who is my brother-in-law, who I know that you knew uh, from the high school days. But he used to, you know, speak very highly of the work that you've done and, and you know, how you had some of the, his words, his most kick-ass pizza he's ever had. And then I go to Armando's when you're at shop on Cabana. And that's where you like to comment, like that's where you had that pizza bar. Right. And I remember yeah. I was there with a friend. Uh, this is pre pandemic, probably 2018 ish. And uh, I remember coming in and I was like, holy crap, like this place is hopping for I think it was like a random correct me if I'm wrong, like a uh, weeknight or yeah. and you were doing the special deep dish sort of pizza. And I've never I mean, I had deep dish in Chicago and I wasn't a huge fan. But I remember going with a friend of mine and my friend was like, you got to try this stuff, man. It's awesome. And you came out and it was just the presentation itself was pretty awesome. Like it was just it was almost like a art. Right. And and you came out and you're so proud. I'll never forget that. You're so proud. And, and you took the time to come over and say hello and and just kind of talk about that week's concoction. And I was like, man, like this guy is obviously excellent at what he does and he loves to do. And, and it wasn't just for us. It was like everybody, like when you were running your, your balls off, so to speak <laughs> in the back, and then you get out into the front and you're seeing these people, you're still making that time to kind of connect with the people who are coming to see you and, and certainly be a part of what you were, you were making at the time. Yeah. That was one of my favorite parts of that restaurant and that business model. And it gave me a huge opportunity to, to step like, before people would see my pictures on Instagram, you're just this guy behind the scenes, behind the wall. No one ever actually sees you. Um, but yeah, you nailed it. Anytime I have the opportunity to to share what I've created and talk to you about it, it's the same reason a musician makes music. It's not for himself. It's to share with other people. And uh, getting to see people eat it, enjoy it, it's it's why it's why any person does what they do in their craft. It's it's to watch others enjoy that and. I love to be able to share that passion, seeing people coming from far and wide to want to try those things they've seen on Instagram or their friends have told them about. It's, it's actually a super cool experience. Cause like you said, uh, like I, sometimes I'm like, I, I just make pizzas. Um, but I'm glad that people want to come from far and wide to, to experience the passion I can bring to them. 
Has there been has there been anybody, Dean, who's come to you and and you've had a chance to talk to them and you're like, holy cow, you're from where? And and the, and and it just kind of blows your mind that like these people are, are here trying your pizza. Maybe they they've seen from Instagram and they refer to for, refer to you from Instagram. Yeah, lots of people come from Toronto and they'll make that day trip and they'll specifically have come to your store to eat that pizza to connect with you. I came here for you, and that's really cool because I also travel for six, eight hours away to meet the person who's making my food that I've been following along. And like, like I, I touched on earlier, that's where I draw my inspirations from. Like when COVID first started, Maddie Matheson opened Meet and Three in Fort Erie. And you had to order that food on Monday for Sunday because it was sold out all the time. Wow. I, I made an eight hour round trip drive to eat barbecue food and say hi to Maddie Matheson. Like just to be able to connect eat that food and then draw some of that towards my own inspiration on my own menu. And that's where in Amherstburg we came up with the Southern Ontario barbecue it was after eating at meat and three. I was like, we got to do something about this. There's nothing really going on out here. So Southern Ontario barbecue became born in Armando's Amherstburg's kitchen. Which is crazy, right? Because like, I mean, geez, like back even a decade ago, like you're not connecting with these people, not even on a provincial uh platform right it's like now you're able to find these people bring them to you know your sort of taste buds and say okay well this is going to work this isn't but now it's like you make like you said you spend a day you do that sort of research and recon bring it back and then find a niche especially for the berg right and and say what's gonna what's gonna take off here that's pretty incredible stuff man if you really think about it well you know a a big thing is yeah we're out here and small town Amherstburg, which is beautiful. I, I love it out here. I've lived out here for three years now. I absolutely love it. But we're bringing that big city kind of innovation and big city social media and that presence to this little small town where they deserve that that same, you know, they deserve what you can get in Windsor. So we're trying to just bring that energy out here and, and it's been working. And uh, doing the Detroits on Sundays, that... That brought a whole new level of love to that location. Uh, you know, you're talking in, in the early four weeks of doing it, we would be sold out in 20 minutes. Oh and people were making 45-minute drives one way to get one. Uh, had people coming from London to get one. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that just means you got a kick-ass product though, right? I 100%. Mean, and- yeah, it means it's got a good product and, and you're marketing too, dude. Like. When I was, um, and, and it's on my list, honest to God, like, I, I mean, we get Armando's pizza anyways, but to Detroit Sundays, I said to Kara, my wife, Kara, I'm like, yeah, last couple Sundays, we've been doing like turkey stuff, right? Obviously, because of Thanksgiving, yeah. but I'm like, we got to break out of this. We got to try some of this. Because like you had one a while back where it was like Scott's tots from the office and I was like yeah. dying and I'm like, oh, I got to try that. So like, how are you getting the, the, the inspiration for that kind of stuff? Is this just kind of like meddling it and try to fuse it with some pop culture if you can or? Well, I mean, I love to have fun with things. Uh, and I like to make customers say silly pizza names over the phone. And uh, <laughs> they'll be for that one, they'd be like, oh, I want that, that tater top pizza. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't find that one on the computer. What was the name of it? Uh, I think it was uh, Scott. I'm like, Scott's, like Scott's Tots. I'm like, oh, yep, I got that one. No problem. You, go. you got to say it, though, because it makes me laugh. And Ultimately, I draw inspiration from all over the place. Uh, again, it could be from maybe some of the travel I would have made. Sometimes it's as simple as just, I love to go for a walk through the grocery store. That's where the food comes from. So that's my favorite place to go. So go take a walk through the produce aisle, 
hit it. There's a couple really great grocery stores around town that have unique items. So, you know, take a stroll through there, see something that catches your eye. Either I'll remember something that I've seen similar to that, or I'll grab that item and start doing some research on what matches with it and trial and error it out. And sometimes you're like, wow, that didn't work. Or sometimes you're like, oh my God, uh, I think we got a new hit here. And then we just come up with a silly name for it. It's very important to have a silly name to match your pizza. And these people come in from like far and wide, like you said, it's like pretty incredible to see. And then, and then you hook them, right? And then they're like, okay, well, it sort of becomes sort of a, a weekly ritual or even every couple of weeks, right? Somebody's like, okay, well, I may not see something that I like this week that's on Instagram, but I'll see something that really appeals to me the week after. So you're hooking them in and then it's something yeah. original, something unique to you guys. Yeah. And month by month we change the menu and it's, that's what I need to keep engaged. Like I need to have that keeping me striving to do new things and bigger and better things constantly. So that's why we change the menu at every month. And plus I really want to keep it interesting again. Like people in Amherstburg have, have never experienced something that changes so frequently. And I want to bring something to them that, that they haven't had before. And that was when you only do it on Sundays, everyone's like, what do you mean it's only on Sundays? Well, there's a lot of reasons why it's only Sunday. But uh, the one reason would be the incredible amount of effort that goes into making those pizzas on Sundays. That start that journey starts on Friday. So really, you know, we start making the dough Friday. We wow. stay there late Saturday, grease in the pans. It takes an hour to fill them all on Sunday. And then you have to manage them throughout the day, make sure they haven't risen too much, knock them down so they can rise some more. Like it's a, it's a whole thing. Not to mention you do some special prep. The sauce for that's a unique sauce and. Uh, the finishing items are unique to that, those pizzas as well. So it's just a lot of work, but again, like it's a, a labor of love. You do those things to share with other people and, and see them enjoy it, keep them coming back for more. Okay. Let's, let's talk about Amherstburg here because I know you're resident for three years. I've been a resident for three years as well. Uh, I've had family out here for, well, as long as I've been in Windsor, Essex too, but you know, you made a good, you get a good point that, you know, you're able to change things from a menu perspective each week with Detroit Sundays. Uh, you know, one thing I've said many times here is locally is like, you know, Amherstburg has such a unique area to be known for food and drink. And I know we have some wineries within the area and we've got a couple of breweries kicking too. But I mean, what else from a culinary perspective, uh, a food tourism perspective, Dean, do you think we could be doing, should be doing to encourage? Obviously, if you got people driving from London. There's something to it, right? Like, and it's just for your pizza. But I mean, generally speaking, I mean, there's something to be said for that food tourism aspect. What else could we be doing? Should we be doing, in your opinion, for just just this little town? Well, I mean, I think that uh, Windsor Tour, Windsor Essex Tourism does a great job at helping to promote Amherstburg to start, and same with Southwest Tourism. You know, they do a great job at uh, at supporting local, and they have a lot of programs in place that help uh, small restaurants and small businesses in these towns. And I mean, I'm part of those programs. I, I really believe in them. And, uh, you know, uh, everybody's just kind of got to do their own part. It's hard for me to say what what could everybody do. Uh, everybody has unique situations, unique things they, they want to talk about and show about their restaurants. And there's lots of ways to get them out there. Uh, Windsor Tourism is definitely the, the number one way to help do that. Windsor Eats, is, you know, Adriano can help out a lot with that as well. So it's just about getting in touch with some of those contacts. And it can help draw more attention here. But the thing that would make it more, you know, people pay more attention is just doing unique things. And that's what draws you here. Like the breweries, they're all like the two breweries out here are doing unique things. And that's what makes them interesting. And that's what brings people from the city out here, brings people from down the highway down here. And that's what we're all trying to do. 
Do you think it's a, a question of, of leaning on, like you said, I mentioned about the local breweries, but leaning on breweries and, and, and collaborating and, and working together? You know, I've seen a lot of that, that work in tandem happen with, um, you know, wineries and breweries and restaurants sort of working to support each other, especially through the pandemic to, to really highlight the area and highlight, you know, maybe I don't sell pizza, but there's an opportunity for me to bring Dean in and, and sell some of his pizza at a certain particular event. Do you think that helps overall with the branding and certainly the image? Oh, absolutely. And and I can tell you that the breweries in Amherstburg already do that. They do work uh, closely with other vendors inside of Amherstburg. And, uh, you know, I do my best to support everybody that I can. I carry beers from only local breweries. My beer fridge is filled with only craft beers made by local breweries. Uh, because I, I know all of these people and I want to help support them because they support me. And that's the way a community works is, you know, if you look out for your neighbor, he looks out for you. And at the end of the day, we're all helping each other out. So Dean, what do you think makes a great pizza? Honestly? Well, great dough. <laughs> good, good ingredients. Starts with that, right? Yeah. Lots of, lots of love, good technique. I mean, at the end of the day, when people ask me what's my favorite pizza to eat, when I go out somewhere, honestly, it's a cheese pizza or a margarita pizza. There's no hiding behind that. You can't dress up bad ingredients. If they're good, they're going to stand out. And the simpler an item is, it just showcases and highlights what that person has to offer. And you often hear that too, right? I mean, there's people, I, I mean, you said people come in from London for Detroit Sundays, right? But I mean, you've heard stories in the news where uh, as a kicker story, somebody will say, oh, somebody flew in a pizza from Windsor to BC or, you know, pizza. You hear from people, a lot of my family's up in Toronto and they always say we have the best pizza in the in really Canada. Um, it, it, I don't want to say is other pizza that bad, but w- what makes ours so unique and so, cr- you know, lust after from from folks abroad okay well it's it's something that's similar to what makes pizza great in in new york also is high quality water and windsor has high quality water and that's what makes our pizza dough so good and uh when we travel to do competitions there's certain places you go you cannot use their tap water to make pizza dough because it's too hard or it's too soft uh you have to just windsor has the right water. And I mean, we got the best cheese. So when you combine some of those factors together, it's going to be, makes it really tough to beat. And that's why when you travel outside of Windsor, number one, when you're from Windsor, you already know what a good pizza should taste like. So when we travel outside of this area, it's, it's hard to match that up. There is some places out there. It does exist. Good pizza does exist outside of Windsor, but they're far and few between. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I, I think, when people try pizza from Windsor, I think they really get, ho- I would hope they get hooked. I know there's been mm-hmm. family members who, you know, from the GTA area who've tried our pizza, who've never had Windsor pizza before. And they're just blown away by sort of the ingredients, like you said, the cheese. Um, and then there's that whole debate too. I mean, shredded pepperoni versus just the slices of pepperoni. Do you yeah. have a particular preference or does that depend on what kind of pizza you're making? It, it definitely depends on what you're trying to achieve. Uh, that's a good factor that you touched on is because we shred the pepperoni. It does make Windsor pizza very different than anywhere else because of that fact. Uh, the, the grease from that pepperoni releasing now into every bite rather than just in the little cups. So that definitely showcases a Windsor pizza. That's what makes it this thing that people can achieve really outside of this area. Because if you're not shredding the pepperoni, it's not a Windsor pizza. Then we travel down a whole other set of debates. And uh, But yeah, the round versus shred, it depends what you're trying to achieve. 
My signature pizza at our restaurant here is the pepperoni paradise, which is a combination of shredded pepperoni with round pepperoni. Then when it comes out of the oven, we pipe a little ricotta on there. We throw some crispy pepperoni on it. So you have pepperoni three ways in there. And uh, it goes, when you think you're like, wow, that's going to be really nice. It's just a pepperoni pizza. Okay. But when you eat it, it is not just a pepperoni pizza. It is pepperoni plus one. It's it's elevated <laughs> to the next level with the the different consistency and textures of pepperoni and the flavors that are drawn out through the shred, the round, the crisp, the ricotta to add that richness to the top. And then just to top it off, and I swear to you, every single one I've sold for over a year has a little cocktail umbrella in it because you're in paradise. <laughs> I like that touch. That's pretty badass. That's pretty yeah. good. Every uh, pizza, I have never missed one of them. Everyone has the little cocktail umbrella for you to sit underneath and let the waves of pipe ricotta wash away all of your worries. <laughs> love it. I love it. Eric, uh, our good buddy from mysonwindsor.com says, hey guys, I lived in TO for three years and nothing compares. I missed YQG pizza like crazy. Yeah, I hear that from a lot of folks in Toronto that their pizza is just not good. I mean, I'm not no. going to sugarcoat it, right? It's not It's not great pizza, right? Um, there's, a, there's a few good places in Toronto for good pizza. I got to, uh, next next time we're up there, I'm going to have to text you or something and be like, dude, like, where's there to get a good pizza? I mean, we're not up there often, but um, we're always so wary when we go up there as well. Uh, you know, Dean, I want to talk to you about, you know, the pivot during the pandemic and like how that's affected you, how that's affected, you know, Obviously, dining has been an issue initially in the early stages of the pandemic in March 2020 as well. Um, walk me through your your experience when I know I often say here on the show, March 2020, because certainly the way we used to do things quickly changed. So how was it for you and, and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, we had a, a 30 seat dining room pre-COVID. Um, we decided uh, right around November before any restrictions had been made to just close it. Um, we had become so busy for takeout that this small little waiting area was no longer like adequate to hold people and hold diners. It was, um, you know, you need to create a comfortable space for everybody at the end of the day. And I had a choice to make. And my choice was, I think that we're just going to dismiss dining for right now. Um, the experience of a diner, I felt like wasn't where I, I wanted it to be uh, with a lot of the safety PPE that the staff has to wear. And of course they need to wear it. Like my staff safety and customer safety is like top priority in my business. So of course they're wearing those things. And I felt like the dining experience was kind of just being lost a little bit. You know, you lose that connection with your server. It, anyways, it was just the, the choice that I made at that time. And uh, we turned the entire dining room into one giant waiting area where the, we've turned the table. So, you know, oh, this is waiting area one and two and three and four all the way down. So we made a small change like that and our takeout just continued to roll. So I feel really good about the transition we made. And I'm very thankful to be in a community that supports its small local businesses because honestly, you can make any change you want. If, if the town doesn't support your business, it, it's, it's you're going to hurt. And I'm very thankful for that. I sponsor a lot of teams in the community. I give back to the community as much as possible. And it was really nice to see that it wasn't just my business. I know the other restaurants in town, everybody was doing good through this because the town was very supportive and the customers, and it was, it was actually not as bad as it could have been. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see that. Uh, I, I remember during the heydays of the pandemic too, like um, actually it was, 
it was the week we got sent home to work from home indefinitely. Uh, and I remember coming home and saying to Carrie, I'm like, well, my wife, I'm like, we got to support some local restaurants at this point. Right. So we had gone out to, and this is the early stages of the pandemic. We had gone out to, um, the artisan here in town. And I remember that they were still wrapping their heads around the whole process of curbside pickup when that was, mm-hmm. you know, the hot new thing. And, and this was a learning curve for a lot of folks too, right? Cause you're kind of thrust into this saying, okay, well, this is how it's going to go. And I mean, kudos to you to make those, those changes. And I'm sure your staff had probably a thousand questions when things were going on too. Like how, how is this going to work? And you know, what's our workflow going to change because of the changes in not only the building itself, but how you guys are processing food? Because it, is there a difference, Dean, in terms of, you know, doing takeout versus like having people dine in or, or you oh, know, absolutely. preparation? Yeah, absolutely. And like you, you nailed it with Artisan. Artisan was a place that was predominantly or solely dining. So yeah. when you talk about transitioning from dining to only takeout, that's a that's a big switch in your game plan and it's very hard to wrap your heads around it if it's not something you've done before thankfully this is all i know is takeout because of the world i came from you know of armando so you know, i specialize in takeout so for me it was a very easy transition to create a much more efficient workspace for us it it, it actually worked out better for us because we were able to maneuver some things out into the dining room that necessarily wouldn't have been able to go out there if dining was happening. Like I put my freezer in the dining room to create more space in the kitchen for more staff. So if I was continuing to operate as a dining facility, I wouldn't have been able to do that. And I I would have been handcuffed. We wouldn't be able to continue to put out food at an efficient pace. There's just not enough space. And I think takeout requires a little bit more space because you got all this packaging, you got all these other things you have to do. And and it's a whole animal. I, I have my own delivery force. Like I have my own, all of those things. So being able to put food out really quickly and efficiently, it's it's not as easy as it might seem. But uh, once you kind of get a system working, it's it's very doable. Where does the industry go um, post-COVID, whenever that's going to be, um, in your opinion? Do... Is the dining experience forever changed in your opinion? Or or are do you think people are just kind of used to, you know, take out, grab and go kind of thing? I think that, I mean, I think that when the restrictions back down, you've got to think people are just going to rush back out. I've, I've dined out a few times still, and the dining experience still feels very much as it did before, aside from the some of the PPE that the staff wears. Um, you know, being able to now sit in a restaurant and, and see other people eating next to you it feels a little bit more normal again um but i think you're gonna see a lot of takeout stay in place and i I think places that maybe struggled a little bit with dining rooms they're just not going to reopen them again they're going to find new ways to be prosperous like prosperous and you nailed it pivoting was everything If, if you can find a way to pivot you'll continue to flourish in the business and those people that don't want to reopen their dining rooms they they'll find other ways to offset those sales and They'll reutilize their staff in other areas. That's all I did. I reutilized my staff in new areas, gave them some new training, and uh, was able to keep them as employees. That's awesome. And that's that's kudos to you for at least allowing your staff to have those options to sort of re, retool, so to speak, and, and you know reassume some new positions as, as things change. Um, how, how much has technology, since you've started in the business, change to benefit you over the years um you know you look at things like uber eats and all those different types of apps that people use um 
has that been a, a blessing or has that been, you know, something that you wish maybe it was a little bit more old school in that sense? Well, when I first started, uh, you know, we would handwrite bills and have to punch them into a till. And there's a lot of manual adding and subtracting at the end of the night to balance things. And, you know, as technology progressed, we switched into point of sale systems. I remember we didn't even have a portable debit machine for deliveries. Now, uh, like even in Amherstburg, I have four drivers on the road, all four have debit machines. Uh, technology gave us the point of sale system. It gave us online ordering. It gave us ways to track our customers' spending habits and keep track of the way that they interact with us. And that was huge. And I could never imagine going back the other way at this point. Uh, as far as the you know third-party delivery apps, being uh, with a local pizza chain like Armando's Naples Capri, Antonino's, go down that list, we really don't use those third-party apps. A lot of our orders come through our own phone systems, our own online ordering, and we use our own delivery service to take care of business. And personally out in Amherstburg, that's how it is for me here. I know in the big city there, uh, some of the locations are switching into those third-party apps and uh, they're just trying to monetize from every direction, which is exactly what you should do. But uh, personally, I like doing everything at house. I like knowing that they're my drivers and you know they have better interactions with my guests because they know the guests and they know the routes and that works in a small town like Amherstburg. So that's a that's a huge advantage that I that I play on is that you know I, I understand what makes the customers happy and I teach my drivers and my phone people all of those you know big city customer service techniques and we continue to apply them out here and we just do our absolute best at all times. Uh, I'd imagine too that you get your repeat customers. You can be like, oh, it's the boomer lags again. They they want X, Y, and Z, and they you know yeah. do people people sort of keep in line with what they order or do they kind of veer off the path sometimes and get a little crazy some it's it's a totally 50 50 there's that person who orders the same pizza over and over and over which is perfect that means you love what you get and you don't want to mess with success uh, i can respect that there's the <laughs> other person that wants to try every single item on your menu and i also like that too because you know what we offer a lot of really cool food and really good stuff and the biggest i, I have you know, I have several vegan customers too, and they order different things. But my the thing I always try to tell a guest, and it happens from time to time, is that I recognize the name on the order. I recognize that something about that order might not be right because it doesn't match what they normally get. And I call them. And you know what? Sometimes in the online ordering, they had like entered something in incorrectly. And they're so happy you called. And I always tell them, this is, this is when you use a, a guy who, you know, I know my customers. I take care of my customers. When I see something doesn't make sense, we just call and fix it right away. And that's something that that level of service you might not really get if you're, you know, maybe in the big city there and you have lots of customers. I would think, Dean, that people, especially in 2021, uh, they want that level of service, even if they are in the big city. I know it's harder to pull off because of numbers, right? But mm -hmm. I would think that generally speaking in 2021, I think people are okay with paying I don't say an exorbitant amount of money, but certainly paying for quality. I think that that is getting worked back in, hopefully, uh, into the collective consciousness of society today to say that, listen, if you want someone to do go above and beyond and have that repeat, you, you're going to get quality and, and you're going to have that sort of touch point from a customer service lens. So you give them that experience on top of already the kick-ass food that you're making. Yeah, value for dollar goes beyond just the food. It's it's top to bottom service from the service on the phone to the driver at the door to your overall impression of the ex entire experience. And, uh, you know, my guys show up with logoed bags and debit machines and, 
anything that you need, it's literally one second, we already have it there because we're already thinking about those next steps. And and that's something I did when I worked in, in Windsor. That's something that I bring with me. I care deeply for my customers, the business, the staff. So I try my hardest to make sure that we're always going to be successful in every interaction that we do so that the guest has that great experience because ultimately that's what keeps them coming back. It's that service. They, they love it when they know Every time I go there, that guy's there. He smiles at me. He knows my name. He knows what I'm going to order today. And basically, it's like a connection you make with that person. You, They know that the support they give to me helps my family, the families of the people that work here. And, and it's just that continual effect. And that's why that's one of the things I love about this business is being able to connect with people and, and have like this mutual feeling that we're taking care of each other. What does Professor Zaw like outside of pizza? Do you have a particular meal that you are enamored with or something that uh, you, you may shock or, or surprise the viewing audience? Something that you are like, okay, I'm done with pizza today. I'm, I'm going to go with this. I love tacos um, nice. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I love barbecue. And, um, and honestly, my, my major love aside from pizza is pasta. So, uh, you know, you stick it in all those little carby categories and I'm right there for you. Where does Armando's Amherstburg go in the next five to 10 years under, under your guidance, under your leadership? Where do you want to see it go? I'd like to just continue on the same path I'm on. Um, you know, the town of Amherstburg is growing very fast. Um, a lot of young families moving in here from all over the place, a lot from Windsor, a lot from Toronto. I want to just keep bringing that energy I got because I want to keep being a part of the reason people want to move to this town. Maybe in my mind, that's the reason why people move here. It's like a selling point. But uh, I just want to continue to be a part of this great town, not just Amherstburg, Windsor-Essex as a whole. I, I, I see myself staying in this region, continuing to offer what I have to continue to try to put this region on the map for pizza the best that I can. Dean, do you miss uh, doing a lot of the in-person events? I know that you were heavily involved in a lot of local stuff, and I know you tr you traveled and... Uh, continue to do you know competitions you miss that do you, you know do you see yourself getting back into that as things hopefully start to ease a bit oh absolutely i miss that so much uh one of my favorite things is competing i love being able to just show people what i have to offer and being able to connect with people and when you go to a pizza competition the connection you get with the other people in that event is incredible and they're pizza lovers through and through more than just the average person so the average person sees your pizza and it's like, wow, it blew their mind when a regular, like when another pizza industry person eats that pizza and they're like, wow, this blew my mind. That's very special. And being able to be around many like-minded people like myself is really important to me. And I love in-person competition. I love food field trips. Uh, like, you know, you just hop on a plane and maybe you go to Chicago for two days to eat food. And then you go to New York two weeks later and then you go to Texas and you just, that's what I love. I love food field trips. Give me a two-day vacation with some food and I'm there. So, yeah, and I loved doing the cooking classes I was doing and doing the beer and pizza flights that we were doing. We were doing so many cool, innovative things leading up to that fateful day in March. And I can tell you that when things start to resemble that normal again, you will start to see me again back on that same war path of competition trying to continue to put the 519 as the pizza mecca of North America. 
Dean, that's pretty badass. And I wish you nothing but the best. And I want to thank you for spending some time with me tonight on the show. Um, all the best. I'll see you at the shop hopefully soon and keep doing what you're doing, brother, man. I appreciate the time. No problem. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate being able to connect and, and again, just share some of my passion with anybody who wants to listen. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll check in with Dean uh, from time to time too. And appreciate all of his insight in the world of culinary excellence. Uh, Armandospizza.ca. You can get his Detroit Sundays on Sundays only at the Emsburg location. Uh, a couple of people commenting in the feed too about uh, how they get their hands on that fantastic pizza as well from Dean. So you can find out more on uh, Armandospizza.ca. And uh, yeah, our good buddy, Adriano Chodoli, who has to come back on the show commenting on LinkedIn. Got to give a shout out to him too. Pizza and whiskey. That's a good deal. Adriano. He's working hard at the outdoor food halls. The guy never takes a break either, just like Dean. Needs to take a day off. Have some pizza and whiskey. And come out here to Amherstburg. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, Dean Litster, who is joining us on the show from Armando's Pizza. So uh, his podcast will be up in just a few moments. And a couple of things to get to before we wrap up the show this evening. Uh, don't forget, we are continuing to look for folks to sponsor the show. If you want to reach Windsor Essex, you can reach over 3,500 people weekly. Uh, you can engage with over 17,000 people monthly and be a part of positive news and conversations. We are looking for sponsors for this show. Uh, sponsorships are available. You can message me directly on what that entails and be a part of the positive conversation that is happening here in Windsor and Essex County. So that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Don't forget, we're back live next Wednesday, October 27th with Glenn and Kim Greenwood from Hag Customs. They're helping us put on a pretty awesome fundraiser for the Windsor-Essex County Humane Society on Devil's Night. And we've got lots to unpack with them as well. So uh, great people to chat with, and they'll be joining us on the show next Wednesday. Thanks for joining us here on the program. Don't forget, you can share this. And don't forget to look for past episodes on our YouTube channel and Spotify. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.